Hey guys, and welcome to episode 159 of SwiftCast. This is Adam. Ashley. Nate. Steph. And Ashley. And we have a great episode coming up for you guys. In our main discussion, we're going to talk a little bit about 10 years of Taylor and that it was 10 years ago this past week that Taylor released her first single, Tim McGraw. Woohoo! Taylor Swift, 10 years. Can you believe it's been that long? No. I feel like it's been about maybe five years. It does. It seems like such a blur always. And also this past weekend was Father's Day, so we wanted to say Happy Father's Day to Scott Swift, Taylor's dad. And I know that she's posted about him on Instagram and Twitter and things, and he's obviously very prevalent, showing up at 1989 tour stops and taking pictures with fans and i wanted to ask you guys what some of your favorite memories of scott are well definitely his photo bombing is just (laughs) so fantastic (laughs) on point (laughs) he is such a photo bomber and i think taylor acquired the skill from him because she's been upping her game you know, the thing I most love about Scott is that he's such a predictable dad. Everything that Taylor says, I mean, is just so on point with how any, like, goofy dad would be acting. It's just, I, I just think it's the funniest stuff that he does. Between the photobombing, the, the comments he makes, you know, the random videos that Taylor will post of him, old pictures and things, I don't know. Yeah, remember the vlog when she videoed him just jamming out to the album? Oh, yeah, that's right. What was that for? Speak Now, right? I think, yeah. Yeah, he's just sitting there with headphones on, like jamming, bobbing his head. <laughs> I think she said something like, he just said, this is the best song ever. And then the next song would come on. <laughs> and he would say, this is the best song ever. <laughs> he's just always in her corner. And then do you guys remember the one vlog where they're in like a clothing store? And I can't remember, does Taylor either like hide in a rack of clothes and scare him or like sneak up behind him or something? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, like Kohl's or something like that, some department store. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's always fun to see him in any type of Instagram video she makes. Or One of my favorite Scott Swift lines of all time, and I've had the fortune of meeting Scott Swift a couple times, you know, and, and being able to talk to him briefly. And uh, But this time it was at um, the Rhode Island Secret Session. And so we're standing outside on Taylor's balcony, and literally it was like the whole session. We had all... Uh, gone outside because Scott was like, hey, I'm hot. Who wants to come outside? So literally like the entire session just like funneled outside, right? And so we're standing there and, uh, you know, everyone's kind of huddled around him, you know, and he, he just goes, who wants guitar picks? And so everyone just like <laughs> shoots out their hand immediately and he goes, okay, some for you, some for you. And my favorite line, he goes, I feel like I'm feeding a bunch of chickens. <laughs> he is the king of guitar picks, that's for sure. He is, he is. Yeah, one time when I was at the 1989 tour, we were sitting in the first row of the 100 level, and there was a little ledge in front of us, and we had a bunch of little girls in our group, and he must have walked by at least five or six times, and every time just kept dropping handfuls and handfuls of guitar picks on this ledge for us, and the kids (laughs) were going crazy. He just seems, like I said, always such a big cheerleader for Taylor, and just funny. Like when he became a member of Heim, when they were 
<laughs> out walking around. And I think Taylor even posted a photo saying that her dad decided to join Heim. That's a good decision, I think. And I think that Taylor has said before that her mom is more of the realistic one and Scott is more of like the dreamer. The dreamer, right. Which is good. I mean, it's obviously a great combination between the two of them. Obviously, they did something right. Well, happy Father's Day to Scott. We unfortunately did not get any type of happy Father's Day post from Taylor this year, but hopefully they were able to spend it together doing something fun. But for now, let's move into a fun segment, looking back at some of Taylor's older tweets from previous years. Our first one is from June 13th, 2009, and Taylor tweeted, Taylor Hansen came to my show tonight. My life is complete. Hansen. Yeah, I know you guys <laughs> like that one because a couple of you like Hansen, right? Oh, absolutely. Mostly stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Hansen was Taylor's favorite Hansen member. Mine was Zach, so I'm happy to let her have Taylor. But I just remember her in early interviews saying she thought she would marry Taylor Hansen because they have the same name. I literally only know their one song. Mbop. I think that's that's all I got. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I would hope you would at least know that one. They are sort of like, I guess, Haim in a way, or Taylor in a way. They write their own stuff. They play their own instruments. That's why I always liked them. Was that the only reason you always liked them? Well, I wanted to marry Zach, like I said. but <laughs> I mean, they're still working on new music. They do shows all over the country, at least. They have a beer line that they came out with. Oh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're still very active. And they covered Shake It Off right when 1989 was released, right? They did. And Taylor kind of had a meltdown about it. It was a great cover. I don't know if I've said this before on the show, but they were my very first concert of my entire life when I was about 10 years old. <laughs> I have also seen them in concert, so that's pretty exciting. My first concert was Weird Al, so. And he's done Taylor songs. <laughs> he has done Taylor songs, yeah. <laughs> what a first concert. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, our next tweet from Taylor uh, comes from June 13th, 2010, uh, literally one year afterwards. And Taylor tweets, Headed to my 13-hour meet-and-greet at the Bridgestone Arena. Had to turn around to go back and get my contacts. I really want to see today. <laughs> Crazy that that's been six years. Does not feel like six years ago. And that ended up being longer than 13 hours, didn't it? Wasn't it about 14 and a half or something like that? Right. Mm -hmm. She extended it. And she was also performing at least a little bit in between, I think. And this tweet made me think of a question that maybe we don't know the answer to, we as a fandom, um, but she said she had to turn around and go get her contacts. Do we know, does she still wear contacts, or did she maybe have LASIK eye surgery, or? I think she still does. There's a picture not that long ago of her wearing glasses. I can find it. Okay, just curious. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure she still does. Yeah, I don't know. She often tweets about how blind she is, but she hasn't done that in a long time. I always remember the shampoo bottle one where she says that when she's in the shower without contacts in, she wants to see if she magically can see things and then tries to read shampoo bottles and realizes she still is pretty blind. <laughs> 
Our next one comes from June 18th, 2011. Taylor tweeted, Pittsburgh, you made us feel like we have 52,000 new friends. I'm so happy and proud that my home state provided such an amazing crowd. So were any of you guys at that show? I know, Steph and Nate, you guys are from that area. No, I actually traveled to Boston for Speak Now. I I wanted to make a road trip out of it. Okay. No, I didn't even see Speak Now at all. Oh, that's right. The show at all, yeah. So you're a fake fan. (laughs) (laughs) I tried, Taylor. (laughs) Red Tour bandwagoner. Yeah, what? No, (laughs) bandwagoner. (laughs) Ah, man. I was around and speak now, okay? (laughs) I'll make that very clear. Our next one is a Father's Day tweet from a few years ago, June 16th, 2013. Taylor tweeted, Happy Father's Day and a shout out to my fantastic dad for loving me even when I wore outfits like this. And it's a photo of her at age maybe three or four in like a pink jumpsuit. She looks cute. Yeah. Whenever I see pictures of her as a young child, I just think about how much I miss the curls. Me too. The curls were the best. Our next one is from June 14th of 2014. Taylor tweeted, at a certain level of jet lagged, I just start answering all of my business emails with, I'll do whatever I want. So this is great. This is right after Taylor ended the Red Tour in Tokyo and was probably gearing up for 1989. And I love to just think of her saying, too bad. I don't care what you think. This is what I'm doing. And it clearly worked out well for her. That's so funny because reading this tweet it almost seems like something to me that 18 or 19-year-old Taylor would have tweeted. It's crazy that it was that recent. Yeah. Maybe she was trying to do some foreshadowing for us because she really did have to go against what her label and other people wanted her to do. Well, I bet she doesn't have to justify it as much now. That's true. Hopefully they learned. Whatever Taylor says, it's probably a good idea. On... June 18th of 2014, just four days later, Taylor tweeted, Meet Olivia Benson. And it was the photo of Taylor in her pink crop top and skirt set with a tiny little Olivia in her lap. Yeah, she is so tiny. This is forever the best picture of Olivia. It's a good one because she's just looking right up at Taylor. (laughs) I love that photo so much. And related, the very next day, Taylor tweeted, Has anyone ever told you that you look like a baby polar bear? And it's another picture of Olivia, tucked in, looking exactly, obviously, like a polar bear. Our next one came from last year, June 13th of 2015, during the 1989 World Tour. And Taylor tweeted in all capital letters, Echo Smith sang Cool Kids with me in Philly. Yes. You know, and that one was the only performance... Uh, special guests that she had. She had Echo Smith again in Columbus, and again they sang Cool Kids. Yeah, you got to see that. I did. Mm-hmm. That was cool. I thought they were going to sing Bright, but I don't know. I wanted to hear Bright. That would have been good. That is very interesting, though, that that's the only guest that that happened with. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. I know at the very least something had to do with um, the fact that in Columbus that night, because Echo Smith was the opener for... 21 Pilots, that uh, 21 Pilots is also having a show, and so she did her opening act, uh, Sydney, and uh, ended up just kind of popping over halfway through the show, so. Oh, very cool. 
And our last one is from the next day, June 14th, 2015. Taylor said a huge highlight of the 1989 world tour was singing fight song with a beautiful and perfect Rachel Platten tonight. That was great. Then that song just sort of blew up for the summer. You were there, weren't you, Steph? Yeah, I was. It was one of my shows that I went to alone because I am only willing to do that for Taylor, but it was worth it. I was really excited to see Rachel. And didn't she have Mariska Hargitay come out also? Right. During style. That was cool. Yeah, that one still stands out as one of my favorite guest performances. And that really helped put the song over the top. Yeah, it really propelled it to the top. It's always fun the next day when Taylor would have a special guest to see where the song was charting on iTunes. Well, that's all for our older tweets for this week. So let's move right into our new segment, Keeping Up With Swift. So obviously Taylor has not been around much lately or on social media or even being seen in public. Um, But one thing we do know is that her New York home is being renovated. So she is currently living in a different location in New York. So I guess she's wanting to make some upgrades to the current place that we've all seen pictures from before. Just by the way, that apartment she's renting now while the renovations are being done, uh, gorgeous, freaking insane. Those pictures, I could not believe, I could not believe it it was an apartment in New York City. It's only the same per month as my annual salary. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> craziness, crazy. Oh, man. I mean, just the indoor pool alone was just spectacular. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then Taylor was seen in some paparazzi photos at her house in Rhode Island with actor Tom Hiddleston. And I'm not too familiar with him, but I guess he's in some um, movies. He's a British actor, uh, like uh, the Marvel movies or the the DC comics or something like that. Yeah, it's Marvel Avengers, Thor, if you guys have ever seen them. Okay. So yeah, there were some pictures of them. Um, I believe that they first met at the Met Gala about a month and a half ago. Yeah, I think that Tom actually was also involved with chairing the Met Gala. And so they both had involvement with that. In our next piece of news, Taylor's videos on YouTube's official channels have now surpassed 9 billion combined views. That's a lot of views. Jeez, that's a lot. Yeah, that's crazy. And several of her individual videos have over a billion views just on their own. And another piece of news that I thought was really exciting is it was announced that Taylor has a new partnership with Papyrus for greeting cards and some of the proceeds from sales of the cards will go to charity and Papyrus is actually a division of American greeting cards you probably know that Taylor had a line of cards with them for many years uh the new Papyrus cards are very I think sleek very sophisticated right very sophisticated very suited to Taylor's current style There are several different birthday ones and even just friendship, thinking of you kind of cards. And Ashley actually went to a papyrus store and saw some of them. Yeah, they had all the designs and it was just exciting to see a whole shelf of Taylor cards because for a couple of years now, they've been pretty hard to find. Even at Target, 
there used to be big displays, and now you would only find one or two. So it's exciting that she's starting to roll out new designs. And I asked them in the store, and they said that they expect there to be a lot more coming. Oh, good. They said this is just the beginning. That's exciting. And if you go to Papyrus, I found out if you sign up for their club, you can buy three cars and get one free. So if you feel the need to go crazy like I did and get all of them, you might want to do that. It's a good tip because there are several that I want already. Our last piece of news is that several artists, including Taylor, have recently signed a petition for digital copyright reform, which is basically a lot of artists and record labels are trying to work something out with YouTube because they're unhappy with the way music is currently being shared and the artists not being compensated, which we know is an issue that has come up a lot with all the streaming platforms and not sure yet exactly what will come out of that, but it definitely is a hot button issue, so we will keep you posted on any updates. Well, that's all for the news segment for today. Let's move right into fashion, and Nate's going to take care of the first one. All right, so our first bit of fashion news, uh, it comes from May 24th, 2016. Uh, it was when Taylor was arriving at the gym in L.A. Taylor was seen wearing a Lululemon Fresh Mesh Run Crop in Wind Chill Fatigue Green. $88 sold out. Uh, she's also wearing Victoria's Secret Strappy Plunge Bra, $20. Next was a Brandy Melville Cassidy Hoodie, $28. Her shoes were Nike TR Fly Knit Sneakers in Bright Crimson White Red, $129. And finally, uh, the one that takes the cake, she also had a Burberry Runway Small Rucksack in Mauve Pink, $1,150. Whenever I see the word rucksack, I think of Ed Sheeran. I don't know if you guys do too. Yep, I was just thinking that. (laughs) Well, Burberry is a British brand, so that makes sense. Next was when Taylor was attending the fan's wedding in New Jersey back on June 4th. She was wearing a Reuben Singer Fall 2015 dress. Her shoes were Jimmy Choo Truce Mirror Leather Sandals, $835. And she had some earrings called EF Collection Diamond Bezel Ear Cuff, $985. I like that dress, though. It was good for a wedding. That was a perfect dress. The coloring was gorgeous, and it looked really good on her. And then on June 7th, she was leaving the gym in New York City, and she had on the Nike Pro Hypercool Limitless Capris in black slash wolf gray for $70. She had her Prada Safiano Lux Medium Double Zip Leather Satchel, $2,390. She had Ileana Macri red safety pin sunglasses, which are out of stock. And she also had the Nike Lunar Element sneakers in black slash pink for $79. And I really like those sneakers. I like the sunglasses. But she has been wearing a lot of Nikes lately. Our next piece of fashion, Taylor was seen leaving the gym on June 12th in New York City, and I think a couple of these things she also wore when Nate was reviewing last time she was leaving the gym. Mm -hmm. She wore the Brandy Melville Cassidy hoodie for $28, the Victoria's Secret Seamless Bralette in Tequila Lime for $20, 
The Adidas by Stella Sport Color Black Capri in Midnight Gray Bright Green for $55. And the Nike TR Fly Knit Sneakers in Bright Crimson White Red for $129.99. She really does like Nike shoes. Yeah. I love those Adidas Capris though too. Well, then on June 15th, when Taylor was seen in Watch Hill, Rhode Island with Tom Hiddleston, she was wearing actually a throwback dress. It was the Madewell rosette cutout cami dress, and she was last seen wearing this around the red era. So we were actually talking about it amongst ourselves, and we were saying maybe she just had some of her clothes in her Rhode Island house and she wanted something (laughs) easy to throw on. She even wore Oxfords with the dress, which were also very red era, the the flat Oxford shoes. But it was kind of fun to see a throwback like that. It's as if the ghosts of her past fashion live on in each of these houses. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's true though. She has to have some of her clothes at each of these houses. It must be a mess trying to, if you are looking for something and you can't find it. And if she was at her original L.A. house, which I believe she still has, I bet her entire Speaking Out era wardrobe is there. Between there and her Nashville apartment, I think so. Floral headbands, the whole deal. (laughs) I think I've mentioned before how every time she's back in L.A. for a little bit, her free people dresses emerge and you never see those when she's in any other city. Right, they're probably all in her L.A. homes. Taylor also wore Tom's jacket for a bit. I guess it was chilly by the water. But the jacket is from Ralph Lauren, and it's called the Men's Big and Tall Quilted Barracuda Jacket. It is $275. So if anybody wants to go and buy this men's jacket, here's how to do that. Finally, men's fashion. (laughs) Yeah, that's exciting. Nate, you and Adam can go buy this jacket. I know. It's a little pricey. Ralph Lauren does actually make some good things, but yeah, pricey is right. Our last bit of fashion was when Taylor was seen boarding her private plane with Tom Hiddleston out of Watch Hill, Rhode Island, and this was on June 16th. And uh, the only piece of fashion that we know from these pictures was that she was wearing Todd's studded buckled leather sandals, which are $417. Well, as always, thank you to Tay Swift Style for all of these fashion updates. And you can see pictures and find out more information at the website, which is tayswiftstyle.com. And moving into our main discussion, which I mentioned earlier, it has now been 10 years since Taylor released her first single, Tim McGraw, way back in June of 2006. And there were a few articles that were talking about this 10-year anniversary, if you will, Um, One of them was about Liz Rose, and she was the co-writer on Tim McGraw, along with Taylor. And this article gave us some insight into the writing process behind that song, and, you know, this was Taylor and Liz's first interactions. Well, they were just asking Liz about basically how she got started with Taylor, and she was talking a lot about how Taylor and her used to write together every week, and Taylor would come over after school, and they would write for hours, and they did it every single week, and I think she was immediately impressed by 
just how hardworking Taylor was at that age. I just liked how Liz talked about how confident Taylor was and she would go to her and say, pretty much, here's what we're going to do. She apparently went up to Liz and said, I want to write a song called When You Think Tim McGraw Think of Me. And Liz also said that Taylor just wanted to work and she wanted to write songs and get her thoughts out there. And I just helped her do it. And I'm so happy I did. And I guess she laughed at that, obviously. She's happy that she did that. Um, but it was it was funny because she said, I just didn't mess with her. I didn't try and fix things and say, oh, we can't say that. I just went, okay, well, you were really confident about it. And it's your song. You're the artist. Let's just write your song. And then a really nice quote, she says, the interviewer says, I think it's always more telling when you believe in the person or believe in the music, you know, nothing else really matters. And Liz said, you couldn't do anything but believe in her because she believed in herself and her songs. It was about writing songs. It always started with writing songs. I think that's so important. And that's what she's held consistent to no matter what else she's changed in her career. Yeah, and it's not just from Liz. You hear this from every single person who's ever written with Taylor. She comes prepared. She knows what she wants. She has the ideas. And then they said, when she first approached you with certain ideas, did you ever have to sort through anything or maybe any bad topics? And Liz just said, no. Flat out, just no. Right. And she even said that she didn't think Taylor had a teenage girl mentality. Because they wrote Taylor's thoughts the way that Taylor was thinking them. But I think it just shows the level of maturity Taylor had way back then. Even though she was a teenager, she was writing songs like Tim McGraw. And it was funny because Liz also mentioned that Taylor would just start playing and mumbling and telling me a story. <laughs> and I would start writing it down. And it just reminds me of how Taylor, even to this day, still goes to her phone and mumbles into it and says things that other people probably can't understand. Or it reminds me of on the 1989 deluxe album with all the bonus tracks of her doing all the songwriting and things, uh, specifically the blank space one <laughs> uh, when she's with, you know, Max and Johan and uh, she's just kind of like, uh, you know, she's... Uh, as she's acoustically performing Blank Space, and she's just kind of like, uh, diamonds, seasides, all these things. Right. So, you know, like... <laughs> Nobody really knows what that says. You think it's all these things? I don't know. I That's that's my interpretation. I have no idea. It just sounds like a bunch of mumbo-jumbo to me. Mm, that's the only, like, coherent thing I could possibly make it do it. I think that I think the same thing, Nate. Mm. Diamonds, seasides, all these Please. things. Yeah, I guess that actually makes sense. I never knew. I would just mumble it along with it because, of course, you have to sing with the bonus tracks. And another thing Liz said, she said, Taylor would have an emotion and she would say, this is my emotion and I want to write a song about it, which I think that's so helpful to know exactly what emotion you're trying to capture before you're, you start writing, and I think that's why her songs are so powerful. Yeah, it definitely seems like Liz was more of an editor, and I think the article even brought that up, that you know Taylor took the lead and Liz was there as support and to help edit and throw things in here and there, but 
as we all know, the main songwriting comes from her. And they said, Taylor's career has progressed so much, and she's obviously gone a different direction musically. Do you think that takes a toll on how she is as a songwriter? Liz said, no. (laughs) I love it. Short and to the point. Nobody knows the way Taylor's songwriting has developed better than Liz Rose. And then she talked about 1989, and she said, If you go and listen to this record, lyrically, she's still brilliant. She didn't skimp on the lyrics or get lazy on the visuals. They're all there. It's just hookier, and there's melodies in it. They're pop, but she's still got that visual that makes Taylor Swift so great. Which is so true. And I think, you know, no pun intended, when you think Tim McGraw, uh, the song... For those of you who joined the fandom later or, you know, uh, maybe weren't around or maybe even too young at the time to to remember this, um, it was really cool when Taylor penned this song, and Liz Rose talks about this in in this article, but Tim McGraw never had a hand in any of it. Taylor didn't actually meet him until it was the CMAs, and she performed the song while he was sitting there in the front row and then ended the song, and then, uh, you know, as she was singing it, she walked down to Tim McGraw and then down to his seat and then said... At the end of the song, she's just like, hi, my name's Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely a classic, classic Taylor moment. And then one other article that we wanted to touch on was an article from Entertainment Weekly that was just recently posted called Taylor Swift's First Producer Looks Back on Tim McGraw 10 Years Later. And that is, of course, Nathan Chapman. This is also exciting because Nathan Chapman has been working with Taylor forever, every single album. Yeah, literally forever. (laughs) And if you remember back when Taylor did the sessions on 1989, she mentioned that back then they tried to dissuade her from working with Nathan because he didn't have much experience. But she put her foot down, even back then as such a young teenager, and said, no, I want to work with him. And Nathan actually talked a little bit about the shack. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) and taylor referred to this shack when she was doing this session and talking about how people didn't want her to work with nathan and nathan said that this shack was directly behind the publishing house where taylor and liz rose wrote tim graw there's video footage of it somewhere isn't there of them sitting in that shack like uh, licking envelopes mailing those singles oh yeah that's true I want to say it's in one of her vlogs or something like that, but anyway, that just always stuck in my mind. And I love what Nathan had to say about the first time that he heard the song Tim McGraw. He described it as surreal, not only because the title name-checked an incredibly popular artist, he said it was such a different way of talking about love between two people, and that it was just an indication early on of Taylor's genius as a songwriter. Even then, you know, such a long time ago, she was breaking the rules. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine today, like today's artists having a title song of another named artist? (laughs) Someday there will be a Taylor Swift song. I know there have already been some written by artists who might be on YouTube, and it's never really hit mainstream radio. But I think, you know, maybe it will be 20 years from now, but some... (laughs) One will write a huge song that will be about Taylor. But yeah, you're right, Ashley. I mean, back in 2006, it was just, it really was kind of an odd title. I mean, I remember hearing it for the first time and being like, 
wait, the song title is Tim McGraw, the artist isn't Tim McGraw? <laughs> I'm sure it threw some people off at the time. Which was genius because it oh yeah, absolutely brought so much attention to Taylor. Right, because the original title was going to be When You Think Tim McGraw and they shortened it. Right, just simple Tim McGraw, make everybody wonder. I remember it coming up on my iTunes as like suggested song you should check out. And I just kept thinking it was annoying. I was like, why is this song about <laughs> called Tim McGraw that's not oh my about... I literally like <laughs> scrolled past it like a thousand times until finally I think I heard it on the radio and like actually heard what it was like. I just thought it was like some gimmicky one-hit wonder trying to like use Tim McGraw's name. I absolutely thought that. That is so funny. And look what it turned into. <laughs> Consuming my life. <laughs> <laughs> so it was funny as her very first single how they worked to get it out there the article states that they worked t- tirelessly to put out the track swift chapman liz rose taylor's mom andrea and big machine records ceo scott borchetta all stuffed envelopes with tim mcgraw singles and sent them out to radio stations nathan chapman even recalled that when he recorded his vocal harmony Andrea fell asleep in the middle of a late night recording session. <laughs> and the song ended up landing at number 40 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 6 on Billboard's Hot Country Songs, which was a really solid debut. It was so funny to just think of them sitting there individually putting CDs and envelopes. Yeah, you guys might have seen on Twitter going around this week since I've seen the hashtag 10 years of Taylor. Uh, there's a picture of her with a box and it has, you know, a hundred singles inside the box. And it looked like she was just working to, you know, fill the box and send it off to a radio station. And then also, can you think about if you have one of those CD singles from back then, how much money that's worth? I was just about to say that those things are (laughs) so valuable. (laughs) If you have one of those, you have a lot of money in your hands. So now, whenever I'm paying attention to a new small artist that's starting out, I like try and assess if I think they have the potential to make it big and figure out if I should start hoarding their CDs. <laughs> <laughs> like, for example, I just bought a rare Kelsey Ballerini single on eBay because she's blowing up. It's probably a good idea. Yeah. I mean, some of those, especially the really early singles for Taylor, oh man, they're worth so much money. If you can find even the earliest ones when she's going around to um, the record labels, uh, when you know, uh, with her demos, with her demos, basically those demo CDs are worth mega money. I mean, literally thousands of dollars. Absolutely. Well, when we talked about Nathan on a different episode, when we actually covered this love, um, we mentioned how Nathan has been there for every single album. And we were so excited that he was included on 1989. And Nathan actually said that he saw Taylor back in November for dinner in L.A. And he said, whether she's making pop music or she comes back and makes a country record and we work together on that album, it doesn't matter. We'll always be fast friends with him. So I like that Nathan just can easily change genres and he and Taylor just work so well together, and I do hope that he's involved in album six. I mean, I definitely think he could be. For example, he even just worked on Parachute's album. They're not country at all. I mean, he does everything. I hope so, too. 
I think Taylor might dabble again a bit with, you know, Max and Johan, but it'd be interesting to see. I wonder if she could, you know, I think she could really pull off a Speak Now type album again, you know, where she completely writes it herself. I think she has enough experience at this point where she can just do it. Oh, absolutely. It would be interesting if she ever did that to compare Speak Now and the new album. That's what I'm saying. Mm. Well, it remains to be seen if Nathan Chapman is involved with album six, but as you just heard, we certainly hope so. That'll just about do it for this episode of SwiftCast, but we have a couple reminders before you go. Please press the subscribe button on iTunes, and it will download the latest episode for you automatically. Also, we would love it if you left us a review on iTunes, and you can let us know what we're doing well, if you have any suggestions for us, and that really helps other Taylor fans find the podcast so that they can enjoy it as well. If you guys want to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at SwiftCast13, on Tumblr, swiftcast13.tumblr.com, on Instagram, instagram.com slash theswiftcast13, on Facebook, facebook.com slash theswiftcast, and you can always send us an email, theswiftcast13 at gmail.com. And finally, you can find all of that information and all of our episodes on our website, which is swiftcast13.com. So what do you guys think Taylor will do next week? She's been awfully quiet lately. It's pretty tough to predict. It is really tough to predict, but I do know that it's Soraya's 21st birthday. So we know that Soraya was in the Bad Blood music video and she's gone to some award shows with Taylor. So I think that Taylor will probably be celebrating probably in LA with Soraya for her birthday because I think that's usually where Soraya is. Well, I think because we haven't had one hit in a while, I think we're supposed to be getting a new Apple ad uh, any day now. I mean, could very well happen within this next week. It has been a while. I'm still waiting for that driving in the car ad that we talked about that we thought she was filming. Yeah, I hope we get another ad or two. They're always fun. I mean, I like the ones that have come out so far. They're, you know, funny to watch. But I think the rest of us are stumped because Taylor has been so quiet lately, so. Yeah, who knows? Maybe some pictures in the pool. True, maybe she'll be in Rhode Island. And she will have her usual 4th of July party coming up, I'm sure, in a couple weeks. Oh, yes. That's always fun. But thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time on SwiftCast. For now, you've been listening to episode 159. This is Adam. Ashley. Nate. Steph. And Ashley. And we will see you next week. Bye. Thanks, guys. Deuces. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift. Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.